The FT. Boko Haram extremists stormed Damaturu, the capital of the northeastern Nigerian state of Yobe, on Monday, in the latest in a series of attacks by the Islamist group that the security forces have seemed powerless to prevent. I'm Fiona Simon, and on the line with me is William Wallace, our Africa correspondent. Hi, William. It's hard not to see similarities between Boko Haram and ISIS, the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. How similar are these groups in their aims and ideology? Both groups subscribe to extreme forms of Islam, and their methods are also fairly similar in that they've both been involved in beheadings, they've slaughtered many people and left a pretty gruesome trail in their wake. I think their strategies have also become quite similar. Boko Haram used to carry out a lot of hit-and-run attacks and bombings. This year, however, it's begun to seize and control considerable stretches of territory, not on the scale that ISIS has been able to, but still considerable chunks of Nigeria now. And it's also declared a caliphate. I think ISIS has a much more sophisticated propaganda strategy, however, and it also, quite importantly, has a revenue stream in the form of oil production that it controls. Boko Haram seems to have been getting stronger and bolder in Nigeria. Why do you think this is the case? It's a combination of things. I think they've now become a far more potent force, partly because of the abuses that their own members have been subjected to, starting with the summary execution of Hamid Youssef, their original leader in 2009. But it's also partly because of the wider human rights abuses that have been carried out by the security services, which has proved a useful recruitment tool. I think they've also developed closer ties to regional jihadi networks, just given them better access to weapons. And this was exacerbated by the collapse of the Gaddafi regime, which saw a lot of weapons flowing south from Libya into the Sahel and further south in sub-Saharan Africa. But some people also argue that the frequency of attacks that's going on at the moment has something to do with the proximity to elections in Nigeria. How much of the country do they control now? Well, they control several hundred kilometres of fairly remote territory along the border with Cameroon. But they've also captured dozens of towns and villages now, including some of considerable size. And their remit stretches further inland. They've cut off several of the main roads going into Maiduguri, which is by far the biggest city in northeast Nigeria. And they have an ability to strike far beyond the territory that they actually control. Why has the government been unable to control them? Well, many Nigerians are asking that question. And I think one of the answers is that morale in the army is reportedly very low. And despite massive issues in defence budgets in recent years, the military still isn't equipped as it should be for the job. I think there's an element of um, the military not being really prepared for this kind of asymmetrical warfare as well. But there's been a marked decline by most accounts in the basic integrity of the army. Nigeria used to be West Africa's policeman. Now it essentially seems unable to police its own backyard. Against that too is the fact that Boko Haram itself has become a much more formidable and determined fighting force. The government's also suffering from a severe fall in revenues due to the drop in the oil price. How badly has this affected their ability to equip the army to fight Boko Haram? The whole polity in Nigeria is heating up with presidential and general elections due in February. The political class, including many members of the government, are very preoccupied with their own political careers 
at a time when you've got this escalating insurgency, then the fact that the oil price has fallen so sharply in recent months obviously is compounding the problems. That's not to say that it's causing an immediate problem for the military, but Nigeria clearly does need to re-equip its army and its air force. There's been very little spending on modern equipment in the last 20, 30 years, really. So they were due an upgrade, and obviously finances are coming under severe pressure because Nigeria depends for more than 70% of its state revenues on oil. Is there any truth in rumours that the insurgency is being tolerated or even fuelled by political groups ahead of the elections? Well, it's not difficult to make a case that both the ruling party and the opposition can in some way benefit from the insurgency. The ruling party, because it's possible that a huge swathe of the country which would be likely to vote for the opposition may not be able to take part in the election. Also, the fact that you have an insurgency based on religion divides Nigerians and potentially consolidates the Christian vote behind President Goodluck Jonathan, who's a Christian. Conversely, I think the main opposition movement benefits from the fact that the government has been so unsuccessful in containing this insurgency and essentially has appeared incompetent. So both sides can benefit. There was some evidence in the early days of Boko Haram that mainstream politicians were in some ways involved with the group, particularly in a parochial manual app in the northeast of Nigeria. But since then, there's really very little hard evidence that mainstream politicians are actually fueling this insurgency in any way. Is it true that for those areas of the country unaffected by the insurgency, life is going on as normal and the situation could pretty much go on indefinitely? I think that was the case. A few years ago, they were successful in targeting the capital, Abuja, and you were getting more widespread terrorist attacks, attacks on churches across the north of Nigeria. Then the army was briefly successful in containing them to the northeast, which is the poorest part of Nigeria and therefore has the least sort of effect on the economy. The kidnapping of more than 200 schoolgirls by the group introduced an element of shock. But for the most part, the daily fighting and bombing is taking place out of reach of at least the whole southern half of Nigeria. It's very difficult to tell where it's going to go. However, when 100 Boko Haram extremists attacked the town of Damaturu on Monday, it introduced a pretty scary prospect, which is that the main trade road into the northeast might have been cut off The group has cut off a whole load of other roads heading into the main city in northeast Nigeria, Maiduguri. It looks like they could be getting intuition to besiege the town. If they took that town, then they could potentially bite off a large chunk of northeastern Nigeria, and it would affect the army's ability to continue the counterinsurgency efforts. But at the moment, they don't seem to have the numbers to be able to do that. Thank you very much. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. 
Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 